Hi, you're about to get smarter in just a few minutes with Curiosity Daily from Curiosity.com. I'm Cody Goff. And I'm Ashley Hamer. Today, we'll answer a listener question about why some people cough when they clean their ears. Then you'll learn about something you shouldn't forget when you're teaching your kids about money and a hidden letter in the alphabet that you already sing. Let's satisfy some curiosity. We got a listener question from Rashita in India, who writes, The other day, I was cleaning my ears using ear swabs, and I started coughing. I noticed this wasn't the first time. This happened every time I cleaned my ears. So my question to you is, why does this happen? Great question. There's a weird name for this tendency. It's called Arnold's Ear Cough Reflex. Seriously. It's rare. Only 2-4% to of people experience it. But here's why it happens. Arnold's nerve is named after Friedrich Arnold, the 19th century German scholar who first described it. And it's the nerve that delivers touch signals from your ear canal to your brain. Arnold's nerve is a complicated little nerve. It starts as a branch of the vagus nerve, which is a great big nerve that travels all the way through your body, from your brain to your butt. That nerve controls all sorts of functions that you need to live, including breathing, eating, swallowing, digesting, and even keeping your heart pumping. When you touch the ear canal with something, like a cotton swab, an earbud, or a hearing aid, it sends a touch signal to the vagus nerve, which delivers that signal to the brain. In some people, the source of that signal gets mixed up with some of the other nerves that branch off from the vagus nerve, like the one that controls breathing and coughing. When that happens, it triggers a cough. But coughing isn't the only thing that can happen in this mix-up. Pretty much anything the vagus nerve controls is fair game, which is why for some people, a sensation in the ear canal can make them gag, make their heart beat strangely, make their eyes water, and even make them vomit. Yikes! So why does this happen to some people and not others? Well, scientists aren't totally sure. But at least one study found that the healthier the skin was in the ear canal, the less likely it was to trigger a cough reflex. Which brings us to the true irony of this question. It's possible that the less you use cotton swabs, the healthier your ear canal will be, and the less likely you'll be to cough when you do use a cotton swab. Because cotton swabs aren't good for you. They risk pushing the wax in deeper and causing damage to your ear canal and eardrum. Your ear has its own ways of clearing out old earwax. Let it do its job. Thanks for your question. If you have a question, send it in to curiosity at discovery.com or leave us a voicemail at 312-596-5208. When you think about what to teach kids about money, Saving and budgeting are probably the first items on your list. And that's what researchers assumed, too. But in a 2019 study, they realized they were overlooking a big lesson that parents were already teaching their kids. How to give money away. Giving may be more fundamental to financial literacy than experts thought. For the study, the researchers interviewed 115 participants, including college students, parents, and grandparents, about what they learned about money from their parents. The parents and grandparents were also asked what they taught their children about money. And that gave researchers a picture of how families share financial lessons across four generations. The researchers didn't even ask about financial giving directly, but nearly 83% of the participants mentioned it as an important financial lesson they got from their parents or that they gave to their kids. And that surprised the researchers. 
like I said, when we think about children learning about money from their parents, we think of budgeting and savings as fundamental principles, but not giving. The kind of giving the participants talked about wasn't always your classic donation to charity, although that was one category. Giving also included acts of kindness, like giving meals to the homeless or buying Christmas presents for neighbors who were down on their luck. Giving could also mean investing in your own family by sacrificing financially to put a kid through college or take a family vacation. Teaching kids to give is important for a couple reasons. For one thing, setting aside a certain amount of money for a purpose, like giving, is the definition of budgeting. Plus, it can make kids more generous, and people who are generous tend to be happier and have healthier relationships. The researchers say it's a good idea to let kids witness their parents giving, or even to directly involve them in the act. That's a win-win, since the parents and grandparents in the study said that they tend to give more when they know their children are watching. The conclusion is clear. Teaching giving in a practical way makes sense for everyone. All right, Cody, I want you to do something for me. Go ahead and sing the alphabet song. <clears throat> I've been waiting for my close-up for this moment for years. A, B, C, G. I'm not going to do that. But here's how it goes. A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H, I, J, K, L, M, N, O, P, Q, R, S, T, U, V, W, X, Y, and Z. And then there's another part, but I'm not going to get into that. Now I know my ABCs. Next time, won't you sing with me? I bet different people have different words for that last part, but that's what I know. There you go. So why did I do that? <laughs> well, you did that so I can give you the bad news that the alphabet in that song you just sang is actually obsolete. What? Yeah. I mean, OK, so most of the letters are correct. Currently, in American English, we have 26 letters in our alphabet. But when you sang the alphabet song, you actually sang a hidden 27th letter that you probably didn't know about. It's the and between Y and Z. You know, that thing you call the ampersand. The ampersand was once a real honest to goodness letter in the alphabet. I did not believe this when I first learned it. This gift to the English language came from the Romans. It began life as the word A, spelled E-T, which is Latin for and. Because Roman scribes wrote exclusively in cursive, the letters E and T eventually blended into the curly Q symbol on the Barnes & Noble and H&M signs at the mall. When the English language adopted the Latin alphabet, and came along with it. This was all long before the symbol became known as the ampersand. For most of its history, it was simply known as and. The modern name of the symbol, ampersand, is less than 300 years old. Its origin is strangely similar to the origin of the letter itself. It was also born out of repetition and expediency, but not by Roman scribes. It came from school children. See, when learning the alphabet in the 1700s, school children would recite it by naming the first 26 letters. When they got to the 27th, and, they would use the phrase and per se and. See, the phrase per se is another Latin relic that was used to denote that a letter stood by itself as the letter and not the word. So like instead of saying the letter I, you'd say I per se I. And per se and is kind of cumbersome. So eventually the phrase melded together into the word ampersand. A lot like how the letters E and T squished together to make the symbol in the first place. 
About the same time that and became known as ampersand, this 27th letter began to fall out of favor. It was eventually dropped from the alphabet altogether sometime in the mid to late 1800s. It might have fallen out of favor, but it lives on in song. Before we recap what we learned today, here's a sneak peek at what you'll hear next week on Curiosity Daily. Next week, you'll learn about how researchers created an artificial sun that's hotter than our actual sun, the time a bunch of birds became milk bottle thieves, a new analysis that debunks the blood type diet, and more. Okay, so now let's recap what we learned today. We learned that you might cough when you clean your ears because of Arnold's ear cough reflex. It's basically when signals to your vagus nerve get mixed up. And it can do anything from give you watery eyes to make your heart beat in a weird way. If you want to stop this from happening, try not putting a cotton swab in your ear in the first place. Your body has its own way of cleaning it out. I haven't used a Q-tip in years. Yeah. I mean, I I have, but yeah. I mean, yeah, that's that's a good way to live. According to physicians, that's the best thing for you. I know that the... The running, I don't know if this is a joke or if this is real, but they always say don't put anything that's smaller than your elbow in your ear, (laughs) which it feels like one of those things where it's like, is your hand as big as your face? Just so you can like put your hand up against your face, like trying to put your elbow in your ear is impossible, but you look funny doing it. (laughs) Unless you have really tiny elbows. Well, you still can't do it, Cody, because you can't put your elbow. You can't. (laughs) Maybe if you have really floppy bones. Mm hmm. If you're really flexible, don't discount human ingenuity. (laughs) And we learned that if you're teaching your kids about money, then remember to teach them about giving, too. It'll help them budget and be more generous, which could help them be happier and keep healthier relationships. So it's a win-win. When I was growing up, whenever that church basket would come by, I always dropped the money into the basket. My mom always gave it to me. And she still does that. If she brings one of my nieces to church, they're the ones that actually drop it in the thing. Very small thing. It's not like you have to go way out of your way. But I vividly remember always doing that. So there you go. One other thing, when I started seeing my last therapist near the beginning of the pandemic, I was kind of overwhelmed with just the number of people needing money. Businesses closing down and GoFundMes and like there's such economic turmoil, right? And it, it was really hard When you get like all these solicitations for money, like, what do I do? How much do I give? How do I help? And then he came up with this rule of thumb. He's like, I just have a flat $25. Somebody asked me for money and I'll just give him $25. Because for him, for his income level, he was like, that's a small donation. It's enough to make a difference. I don't have to think about it a ton. It won't break the bank. You know, maybe you've got a different number. Maybe it's $5. Maybe it's $100. Who knows? But I thought that was cool. Just kind of picking one number and then anything that comes your way, you're like, ah, oh, that's going to be my, you know, kind of where I'm at. And then that way you don't have to like recalculate in your brain and then weigh all these options and decide, you know, well, does this organization need it more than this organization? Because it's really mentally taxing to constantly be approached with that kind of thing. Yeah, totally. And we learned that the and in the alphabet song was an actual letter of the alphabet. It comes from the Romans who wrote the Latin word a E T like et to brute. It's not really how you pronounce it, but you know what I'm talking about. The Latin word spelled E T was written as one word by the Romans, so that eventually turned into what we now know as the ampersand. And in English, that ampersand was taught as its own thing until somewhere in the mid to late 1800s. And now we know. And how ripped off would you feel if you were the ampersand? Not only does it not get its own key on a keyboard. 
but it's not even the primary key on a keyboard. You got to hold shift and press the number seven. Like that's, that's not even in the home row. It is the best number that it's paired with though. So there's at least that. I mean, seven's the best number. Seven's a good number. But yes, I would feel ripped off. I'm sorry, Ampersand. Wow. I'm looking at it now and it's like so much history in that little, that little curly cue. Oh, too bad. There's no key for the tiniest violin. I know. I was just thinking we should be playing Sarah McLaughlin right now. <laughs> there are so many ampersands that need your help. <laughs> <laughs> Today's stories were written by Ashley Hamer, Sonia Hodgen, and Cameron Duke, and edited by Ashley Hamer, who's the managing editor for Curiosity Daily. Script writing was by Cody Goff and Sonia Hodgen. Today's episode was produced and edited by Cody Goff. Have a great weekend and join us again Monday to learn something new in just a few minutes. And until then, stay curious.